0: What is up Bitcoiners? It's CK and this is another episode of FedWatch. I'm sitting here with Ansel and we have an awesome episode with the man Jeff Booth. What a fantastic mind in the space and so generous with his time. This has to be like the 30th podcast that he's gone on to and he's actually been on other Bitcoin magazine content, but um, he is, he's just really a fantastic entrant into the Bitcoin space and, uh, and I'm really glad that he came on to FedWatch to kind of break down how he sees the world before we get into the show, I want to talk about our sponsors. First and foremost is Bitcoin Black Friday. Bitcoin Black Friday is tomorrow and Bitcoin Black Friday doesn't just end on Friday, but it goes all the way till Monday. Monday is Cypher Monday. So make sure to go to bitcoinblackfriday.com. Check out all of the amazing deals. Every single one of your favorite Bitcoin companies is on there. They're sponsoring, they have some cool promotion. Fold is giving away an entire Bitcoin on BitcoinBlackFriday.com. Strike has an awesome deal. Cold card, Trezor, Ledger. You can set up your whole node and hardware wallet set for a steep, steep discount. Go check out BitcoinBlackFriday.com right now. Second is Paxful. You guys have heard about Paxful many times on this show, but they are the leader in the world's P2P Bitcoin economy. They connect Bitcoin to Every single type of payment method that you can imagine, gift cards, rupees, whatever, they all plug into Bitcoin through Paxful, and Paxful uses Bitcoin as a global clearing layer. Go check out Paxful, one of the most innovative P2P marketplaces. There's tons of opportunity to make money there. Anywhere you are listening from the world, check out Paxful.com backslash podcast. That way they know we sent you there. All right, Ansel, that's enough of me. How did you feel about this Jeff Booth interview? I I really enjoyed it.
1: It was amazing. Uh, he has a very good clarity of thought, a very clear opinion and argument for his positions. And, um, you know, we talked about uh, a few things that maybe we, at the beginning, we thought we might be disagreeing on, but you know, his, again, his clarity of thought just cut right through it. And yeah, he was very generous with his time. So man, I couldn't be more thrilled with, uh, what the conversation turned out, or how the conversation turned out.
0: Awesome. Well, let's just get right into the interview. This is Jeff Booth.
1: Welcome, Bitcoiners. We have a treat for you today. We are interviewing Jeff Booth, the author of Price of Tomorrow. He's joining us. Thanks for coming on the show, Jeff.
2: Thanks a lot for having me.
1: Um, For, well, most of our listeners will have... Read your book probably uh, and listen to you on different podcasts. But can for those listeners that aren't familiar with you, can you give a quick introduction, please?
2: It's simple introduction. Is I'm a technology entrepreneur, uh, run a, run a bunch of different companies, chairman of a bunch of different companies, sitting at the front edge of technology, seeing its impact on the world, and wrote a book about its impact a- against the existing inflationary policies of the world. And those two things are they they cannot coexist.
0: And I'm actually in the middle of reading your book, uh, and I've been following you and listening to all of your podcast appearances uh, since you've really jumped onto the Bitcoin sphere. uh, And I've learned an enormous amount. Um, One of the things that we talk about on this show is this topic of inflation versus deflation. We're trying to dissect what is actually happening. Um, There's kind of two sides of this. Ansel is a proponent of the euro dollar uh, kind of contraction thesis. Uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Snyder has uh, discussed this in the past, you know, you have really brought up this idea of there's also this technological deflation that's happening. I'm kind of curious, like what do you make of these two different types of uh, deflation, technological deflation versus like maybe central bank mismanagement um, and uh, misallocation of capital that could cause deflation. What do you make of like these two theories? Do you buy into the, the, financial deflation idea at all
2: and that's why i wrote the book because these things weren't being put together um and i think there's a lot of confusion out there but if just and, and for anyone who hasn't kind of read the book or understood te- technology is massively efficiently exponential exponential e- efficiency and that efficiency leads to exponential deflation um, the only way to stop that um, is to pretend we still have an inflationary world and to print money um and that printing money will eventually move into hyperinflation because it's not it's totally against the free markets and so if you look in kind of deeper and deeper, if you look at productivity kind of a cornerstone of of, of economics productivity there we're still measuring productivity the old way. Right, all economists are still measuring productivity the old way. Tell me the productivity of your of your uh, camera, your Kodak camera. Right, we have infinite productivity. We have infinite pictures, and they're all free. Um, it just can't be measured in GDP anymore. Um, and we have so we have these archaic measures running an economy that looks totally different. And so that's bound to create. uh, And remember, these forces are completely polar opposite. You have an inflationary monetary force that is only caused by printing of money and, and, and trying to, it could be caused by growth and, and, and a true market signal, but today it is not. It's just caused by by printing of money. And you have technology deflation wanting to re- remove jobs faster. They're totally incompatible together. And, and in the end, it, technology is going to win.
1: One of my big aha moments over the last couple of years was when we were sliding back into a recession, Uh, you know, 2018, 19, the the global uh, economy was slowing down and I was like, where was this? Um, And so I was like, well, was that really money printing? Um, So what you're saying is that um, you don't see, well, the Euro dollar system is saying that this isn't really money printing. So they get rid of, they talk, they get rid of the inflation problem. Uh, or lack of inflation by saying that's not really money printing. You're saying that it is money printing, but that deflation is counteracting it equally as fast. Thing.
2: That's what I'm saying. So what, what's happening is the, the the money printing is taking bad assets off balance sheets to banks and replacing them with good assets. M2 has collapsed because banks can't find things to lend against. So, so that money is not getting into the economy to drive the type of inflation that you're talking about in in kind of a business economy. It's moving into protecting asset prices from falling, right? So, so protecting assets, but when you do that, all assets don't fall, don't reset to their. In 2008, what should have happened in 2008 is the entire system should have unwound. And banks would have stopped lending to each other, the entire system, and you would have a reset of asset prices like you would not believe. That's what should have happened. That's what a free market calls for. But that free market, because the credit would unwind and, and everybody would realize there is nothing holding it. It's just a, it's just credit that just keeps on un- unwinding and the asset prices are too high. And as it starts to unwind, it feeds back on itself. So, so you pump in a ton of money to keep those asset prices high. Right. And while technology keeps deflating everything else. So that's what's that's what's happening. And 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 so far, by the way, that's what's happening again. The next step of this is not what's going to happen, but that's what's happening right now again. It's is this baked qu- order of magnitude higher?
1: Is this baked into the cake? So like we asked this question of uh, Danielle DiMartino Booth, when she was on. And I said, is this a process like 2008 was a, a financial crisis? This is more maybe a corporate debt crisis. This is the next one a sovereign debt crisis? Do you see us in a process to towards an end of the current financial system?
2: A hundred percent. So when you stop creative destruction at the free market, at the economy level, it doesn't stop. If you, it, All it does is butchers capitalism in the free market. So you concentrate power, you concentrate wealth, um, and by doing that, you move creative destruction up a level into the currency level. That's where we are today. So it's still, and it it forces a a consolidation of power on one side, no matter what, who's in, change an actor in the system, it won't change, right? This is systemic, and there is, the debt can never be repaid, right? There's so much debt. And the debt underlying lies our entire economic system, right? There isn't the capital behind it. So if you have deflation, the debt explodes in real terms and everybody sees essentially the wizard behind the curtain, that it was all a mirage in the first place. Right. And, and that's where, where central banks all over the world are stuck. And you could say, bad people, everybody, everything else, they're stuck. There's no way to fix it.
0: Yeah, I could tell that they're stuck. And the last episode that we did, like I was telling you before, we dissected uh, a panel between uh, hosted on ECB between Jerome Powell, Christine Lagarde, and a handful of other central bankers. And the way that Christine Lagarde, who is the head of the ECB, was talking about CBDCs and this technology is as if the technology is going to solve a lot of these problems that have been in front of them without really addressing anything around store of value, anything addressing the first principle issues with what is wrong with the system itself. Um, and I'm just kind of curious, it sounds like you've spent some time like thinking about this predicament that central bankers are in. Can you go a little bit deeper into like what they're facing, maybe what the cognitive dissidents and or just the expectations that are on them are and, 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 you know, how they're kind of dealing with it.
2: Some of the people listening to your show would have heard this before, but it's, I I compare these things to business because, because in business you see isolated examples of this and you see it more often than you see it at a currency level, right? So you can use the same principles and what happens in business, but, but what could uh, blockbuster do after technology changed the rules and and made all the stories irrelevant? What could they do, right? They could add candy aisles to their stores and everything else. And, and that's what they did. And you, we look back and we laugh at management, but what would you do, right? So if you're sitting in the uh, um, at any one of the central banks, here's your choice. Let deflation happen. And deflation is not a bad thing. It's just a bad thing for debt. And it's a bad thing for the way our system is wired, right? It's a really bad thing for the way our system is, is wired because everything resets and banks reset all the banks fail and because all the banks fail the governments fail and all your money fails everything so if you let the, uh, nature take its course which has to happen eventually everything fails so you're trying we're trying to central banks around the world are caught trying to prevent that from happening and if you exponentially increase your money supply and you exponentially increase a whole bunch of essentially non-free market th- things then what you're doing is downstream causing a whole bunch of un- unintended consequences and that's what we're seeing in the world right but what else would you do because the choice is let let it fail and everybody would realize the counterparty risk there is no money backing it right it's all make believe so so you keep doing it and you keep doing it and and every time because ex- technology is moving this way exponentially so the the money printing has to move this way exponentially to hold you in stasis. And then the problems to society are going to be exponential, um, going the other way. That's but what would you do and what are they going to do? There's a series of logical next steps, and, and central bank digital currencies are one of those logical next steps that they have to. Um, but it all it all means the system will reset. It just typically In a business, very rarely does a business do what's needed to change their business because it's too hard in the short term, right? So what they do is they do everything to protect their old business. You could say our entire interconnected monetary system, including all of us in it, are caught within a business protecting its old system. And that's why Bitcoin is such an important innovation. It's going to be reset. From the outside, from a new business taking that over and forcing, and for and and enforcing and the hand.
1: how long can it go on for? There, Kyle Bass, he's a you know very famous investor, been um, a common guest on Real Vision, and his famous saying is "A rolling loan gathers no loss." So, how long can this go on? It, it seems that you're saying that it will go to the sovereign level, and then that's the end. That's the end game.
2: So it's it can go on longer than than expected. So the next step of this is the the essentially the uh, the treasury becomes the Fed, right? And the next step of this is so so and what is that? It, it's saying because banks won't lend, and we can't get them to 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 lend because they're still effectively a free market tool, right? They have shareholders and everything else, and they're not going to lend against bad investments. Um, so and and I know we could argue it's not really a free market if they get bailed out each time but uh, but assume it is right uh they still have risk compliance and everything else and they won't lend so the next step of this is the treasury has to get money into the public right so mmt helicopter money everything else you're going to see tons of fiscal response that fiscal response in the short term can create inflation if it's big enough um, in the long term it can't because government doesn't create jobs right but in the short term it could uh, it could make people feel a lot better people would spend more just actually what you've seen now is a small fraction of what's what's happening stock markets rising people are fooled because people think they have money and they'll spend more while they have it not realizing where does the money come from so and that can go on for longer than um, and, and so Kyle Bass right like you could if As long as you keep doing it, you could make that go on for longer. All of that though ends because now the once treasury is kind of the transmission mechanism, eventually that moves into central banks controlling digital currencies, and then it, you no longer need a bank so why you see some of the why you see some of the major banks starting to look at Bitcoin and promote it is because they realize. That they're the next, the, the, the number one beneficiary of the financial system as it has been it, for a long time has been the banks. And if you look at this pro- process further, you realize over time, they're not going to be the beneficiary anymore, right? They're going to be in competition.
1: I agree with you on that, uh, like the process here. I think it's going to, it can go on a long time, like you say, you know, 10, 20 more years. And yeah. in that time, Bitcoin could be ready to take over right
2: yeah so i don't think 10 20 more years what um so what what ends up happening is once the cycle starts doing this remember the entire cycle is make-believe right and and let's just call it what it is if you think about the monetary easing and you think about what that causes house prices all of the everything if you believe that it can keep going on forever and exponentially more without downstream consequences, then it can go on for another 20 years. But each time this cycle is happening, what's happening is in the, in the 30s, there was no choice, right? Before that, there was no choice. Bitcoin's getting stronger and stronger and it works on a network effect as well. And more and more people are starting to question the underlying the system and say, what is money in the first place if we can just print it out of thin air forever? And exponentially more forever there's a whole bunch of people losing out on that battle so so each of these steps drives way more people to bitcoin right just like and that's why the system is drives instability which drives the new system faster
0: yeah the way that you describe it i feel like you and ansel don't really disagree it's i think it's maybe even semantics really between like inflation really like these central planners don't know what they're doing and what they're doing is how it's affecting people and the system on a second, third and fourth order effect. And that just creates unknown, uh, you know, results to kind of happen. One of those that you've talked about a lot is uh, this kind of acceleration of the very technology that is Depreciating and kind of destabilizing the world. Technological advances in a world that's in sync with them are better for human beings. It's just our system is is essentially acting against that. Can you talk a little bit about this phenomena? I,
2: I use the example in in the photos. They're free. Your phone, just about everything on it is free. By the way, you're, it's almost free with the inflationary monetary policies. Imagine what it would be without, right? Imagine. So the problem with a lot of uh, problem why people can't see what I'm talking about in in case because they're measuring everything with the old system lens right and if you in the last 20 years to stop what we're talking about before COVID before the accelerator there was 185 trillion dollars monetary easing or stimulus into the economy to drive 46 trillion dollars of GDP gain. And nobody said, nobody says, so you can't keep doing that forever, or if you can keep doing that forever, what does money mean, right? But but nobody asks the question, they think, okay, $185 trillion, housing always goes up, without asking, would it go up if you didn't stimulate the economy by $185 trillion, right? And so it wouldn't. It would go down and everything would go down. You would see what's been there all along. And technolo- technological deflation by the way, or the free market and technological deflation forces um, abundance to society instead of concentrating. It's a forcing function because it has to, right? So if you think about human labor and what we do and the learning and learning and learning about what humans do, if you're not making the same mistake over and over and over again at society level, if you're constantly innovating, that has to be deflationary and and so so the the other side of that is if you're inflating against of against that then you have to concentrate power and authority and you have to remove the free market. And so if you concentrate central power and remove the free market governments are never as good as creating jobs or distribution innovation in society's gain has to go down. It looks more like what Russia looks like, right? Control by the biggest thug and unfortunately that's actually the the biggest thing we're uh, we're fighting today you're you're going to f- fight a free market which with broad-based gains to society and everything else against that will be control to say i know better than you what you should have right and now now take it to the company level look at the companies that are exceedingly profitable and don't need government inter- intervention today Right. What they're doing is removing labor faster, as fast as they can, because because otherwise they need government injections forever. You're a zombie of the state. So trust me, I'm in a bunch of those companies. I'm chairman of a bunch of those companies. And so I know what this looks like. And so what you're doing is you're building network effects technology companies to actually do things better, which should... Drive prices down and, and abundance up for society it's the unnatural planning against that because it's it, that's not consistent with the system we live in that is creating all the pain
1: very interesting so would you say that um, I mean this is one of my thoughts initially when I read your book. My thought was, is all technology equally deflationary because if we have like a misallocation of resources into certain lines of technology or production or wh- whatever like keeping some zombie companies alive that should fail keeping them alive longer and let's say they invent something and I don't know I'm just saying that there, there could be technology that is just worthless really it doesn't really cause deflation because it's uh it's yeah it's a better mousetrap but no one really wanted that in the first place
2: only if you manipulate the markets like you're doing now That's the only way because think about what the free market is and trust. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a free market entrepreneur. And there is a ton of risk going as an entrepreneur because you have to be right. You have to, you have to go up against a system. You have to hire team. You have to fund it and everything else. You have to, it's a lot of times raise capital into it. And if you're wrong, and the only way you're right is if other people benefit and benefit a whole bunch because your thing breaks something else, right? So, or gives them something that they didn't have today. So that process, the only way to win is if you're, if you're that what you're creating is valuable to society. And yes, you could warp that and say, I'm going to fund it forever and it's not going to be valuable for society and misallocate capital. In fact, that's what government typically does. Right. But from a, um, and so you could, Pretend that game for forever and keep a whole bunch of things alive, but the only the, the process that process has to be deflationary because otherwise i would i fail, so does my capital that's invested in it and everything else and 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 the whole thing thing goes down so so in the long term uh no technology and and that and that forcing function requires
1: deflation uh, which came first uh, inflation or technological advancement. So like um, the modern banking system or the modern kind of finances, uh, you know, the stock market in the 1800s or sorry, the 1600s started. And then we had this exponential rise in technology is the technolo- technological advance financed and caused by the inflation mm-hmm. or other way around.
2: If you go into kind of what will happen next, we can go down that path. But you US kind of two questions in there. What I'd say is the monetary phenomenon, if you look back through history of distorting real value of currency, that's something that's gone on throughout history, and it always ends in failure of currencies, always, right? And it end, typically ends in war, um, but, it, but it always ends in fa- failure of currencies and war on the way, on the way to, a, to a reset. Um, there is no historical example where it doesn't by manipulating Current currencies right it always does so but the mon- monetary phenomenon to do that and to to drive inflation and to, to because inflation is really just a hidden tax right that's what uh, that's so governments can't charge how much tax they should because people are don't don't like that right so to to support government so they charge it in a different way an inflationary tax and a two percent inflation means. Two percent yearly wage deflation so labor gets lower rates and if you're if you have assets they go up by that same amount they're hidden are they go up by that same amount right (laughs) so so wages are going down and people don't realize that they're going they're getting paid less and less and less over time and so it's a hidden tax on society's most vulnerable but 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 it's politically feasible and banks make a lot of money on it uh, and 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 so it's really easy to pull off, and that's why throughout history people it keeps on repeating, repeating, re- um, uh, repeating. What's happened to your question? Is technology has exposed the lie faster, right? It, it, so so when technology is moving and exponentially faster and faster and removing labor at that same rate, then what you have to do in response to that is decrease labor rate decrease the price of that labor fast to keep be able to hold jobs and so what's happening is that it's it's just happening way faster than it's ever happened in in history so the illusion we don't um, we're frogs boiling in a pot that's uh, that's burnt, that's moving up really fast <laughs> instead of slowly that's the only difference that's what technology has done if you go to your other question about kind of what um, uh, what happens kind of next i think there's this crazy thing that people think nobody would fund technology unless there was a, this debt and that's just simply not true I, I can tell you if i had a whole bunch of cash and i saw a better investment return on um and my cash was going up in value instead of down in value and i saw a better investment uh, return by making uh um by by investing in an entrepreneur i would still make the investment
1: I'm thinking more of like you know we see a drive towards nationalism or onshoring and so that kind of over overrides maybe chasing the exact most profitable decision people will choose to do something a little bit less efficient because of some other ideology that they have that's sweeping the globe right like populism
2: Typically no I I I I I, I pe- people make decisions for them, themselves and the people make the best decisions for themselves and their families. And if something costs a lot more, and that hurts, impacts their fa- family, why do you think climate change is so hard to, uh, to solve until you start to move into something that's price competitive with market? Because people could say all they want, they could point fingers to everything else, but they make decisions based on economics.
0: I think you've done a fantastic job of characterizing the problem, right? And you've come up with at the time it was not a very popular solution obviously bitcoiners have you know have been kind of t- uh, touting that uh, but you know why is bitcoin the right solution why does bitcoin solve these problems that are being exacerbated by our current monetary system
2: it, it removes government from the loop right it it, remo- it removes printing and it removes manipulation from the loop so it, and I, I don't say it removes government from the loop I actually fully suspect governments will have, be forced to peg their currencies to Bitcoin at some point. That's what, the, the, and, and if they don't, then what will happen is the innovation on the on-ramps, so off-ramps to Bitcoin will emerge like crazy, right? So a lot of people make a mistake in looking at Bitcoin and they say, um, they make the same mistake that people made on the internet. Uh, the titans of industry looked at the internet in 1995 and said, this thing's a joke, right? Uh, it takes half an hour to download a cat picture, right? But they, they forecasted what the internet was then against the network effect instead of what it would be. And that's the same mistake people make on Bitcoin outside of the community today. They forecast, okay, it's too hard to use. It's not a, it's not a store of value that I think and everything else. I'm used to all of these. And they don't see the network effect that's happening on it and what will happen to it. So, so, if you look at the rate of growth for the internet and the and and where bitcoin is kind of ninety six, we're in the same it's following the same exact path, and what that means on bitcoin it's it's going to emerge but it's but but it's going to emerge like crazy. we won't can't even understand what's going to happen here but uh but but what I'd say more so is it, it the the faster the existing system removes trust like what we're talking about and it has to like mathematically it has to the more people will under will dig deeper on what money is and why why am i working for labor that is trying to make my money worth less and everything else and the more people that understand that you're going to drive the same thing so these are competing forces and and more people And, and not just individuals Kind of a vote for the free market, a vote for for uh, free market. It moves up to to company level, then it moves up to currency level or government level. So you're going to see you're going to see an explosion of growth and um, to to Bitcoin. Uh, there will be some ups and downs on the way um as there always as, as there has been in the past but the general trend you're going to see just an explosion under bitcoin because it's impossible to manipulate
0: you kind of talked about an explosion right have you thought at all about the actual transition process uh, i think that this is cosmic <laughs> cool. and it's it's obviously you know very nuanced and a sticky question but yeah what what are your thoughts on the actual uh transition process that we might experience
2: yeah and it, it, this gets new but I, but i would say a whole bunch of if we measure the existing system all around us um by the by the impacts of the existing system we're very unlikely to see what it looks like in the future on a different system right that's the, that's the hardest thing we measure um so i'll measure my house in value not realizing that and thinking and and then be, be believe that housing always goes up Without realizing, it only goes up because of manipulation all over the world. So, all of these things—if uh, uh, you look at education, education is free today. It's free, right? When I went through school, it wasn't free because we didn't have the, the same thing. But so, you, twelve years in school, four years and four years. Why? Why does somebody choose that? Because they think at the end of the, at the end of that journey, they'll get a better-paying job. It's all about economics. It's a system-wide belief where today with an internet connection, you have free education and you can get to the best researchers, the best uh, educators anywhere in the world for free. So why do we choose our time over here in this system versus a free system? And we choose it because we think at the end of this other system, we get a higher paying job which is no longer true but it there's a there's kind of a prison of the past we're in a false prison that we believe that's true so it feeds back on itself and i can tell you i've hired thousands of people um i would always hire the driven curious person that's constantly curious right so you have the choice today and everybody has the choice to be able to have free education today um and that and that's going to move through society really fast Right, because more people are going to get better jobs, or or more of the win because of they took that uh, that 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 path. There's a whole bunch of those things that we don't even question because we're measuring the system from the existing system, or we're measuring our output, and and they all fall away in a system that actually forces technology to that that techno technological gain to broad based society. A whole bunch of those. Things we believe in fall away. And those things we believe on are hard, right? Because we really believe them. They're not true, right? But they're true for us. (laughs) And we really believe them. I I use this example on a different podcast, but uh but think about all of the work that goes into and both sides of the debate, climate change and everything else, but all the sides of the debate and all the energy and everything else into climate debate. And think about this. All of that debate is inside a system that as you drive more innovation to be able to reduce price and energy, the system has to re- respond with more monetary easing, because that's deflationary. In other words, you have to get people to buy more things, buy more, buy more everything else, more, 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 more. And you actually can't solve the climate change issue from within the system. <laughs> Because the system requires you to print more money to stop it, so some of these things are so hard for us to to even comprehend because they change the way that we think but if you just kind of go back to first principles why- why don't you want deflation like why don't we why why don't we want the abundance from our technology gains? To be able to move to society, why do, why do we want our money to be worth less each year?
1: I guess the euro dollar person would push back and say uh, it's because we have this financial system that is responsible for moving money around the world. And and if you actually let a deflationary collapse happen, it, you know you're going to cut global GDP by I don't know ninety percent or something. All of these countries are going to be stuck not being able to produce their own food, and you're going to have what you know global famine and it's just going to be a disaster right so you have to stop uh deflation from happening in this system in a fiat debt-based system because it's systemic
2: by the way they're right that's yes and they're they're right so the transition between these two is going to be brutal right Mm -hmm. uh, but it's going to happen anyways in fact the only reason it's going to be so brutal is because of manipulating it in the first place and, and extending and pretending far past we, what we could. If what if if the natural if natural order would have taken place, right? This wouldn't look like this. So it's not the it, it's not it is the fiat system that it, that the same thing. So essentially, you're giving matches to the arsonists. And saying, "Oh, because <laughs> <the>, uh, <laughs> because it, it's a system that's causing it," and people are saying, "Okay, well, we got to keep the system going to cause it more," and it, it requires exponentially more doing that to pretend the system is uh, is still working. It's not.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things, the reasons why it's hard to change, um, is cultural inertia. You know, we are raised by our parents, and we have these certain values in, in quote unquote indoctrinated into us or taught to us. And uh, human beings are the weak, the weak point. They're the ones that can't adapt fast enough. So, Um, but that, that does go into the next question of how, I mean, maybe this isn't your area of expertise, I'm not sure, but um, how do you think that Bitcoin or a future sound money will affect like culture and affect, um, you know, human life prosperity in general?
2: so i so so I, it is a, it is a thing i think about a, a lot i actually think that bitcoin is the only way that we can transition to a new system so let's just technology to where we're moving today um uh, we have to have a system that allows for deflation it's a requirement right it, I, I haven't seen anybody by the way since writing the book you would think you would have a whole bunch of people digging deep and, and kind of bashing me I, I fully expected going up against a system like this, that uh, that I would have the world fighting me, right? I, ex- I expected it to hurt my business interests. I expected it to, to hurt everything. And I still had to write it because it's critical for my kids and it's critical for you and it's critical for the world. So, so, but, but I would love to see somebody take that argument, what I just said apart, because it's impossible. So tech, uh, technol- technology moving at the rate it's moving requires a deflationary system. All other roads, a uh, system that allows for deflation, all other roads are a concentration of power and manipulation. Every other road. So what, if you, where we are on this path is Bitcoin is, is that path that will allow that to happen. I know a whole bunch of people get will get super wealthy in Bitcoin, because because they're early. The inflationary pressure is going to push tons of money into Bitcoin, and it's going to move up in price. But over the long run, it's a forcing function that allows kind of a monetary system that they that to work and be broadly distributed, right? And the gains to be broadly distributed, and it and there's a requirement for that in the world today. So I don't see another phenomenon. I don't see anything that can stop that. Right? I don't see it. So, so Bitcoin's already moving so fast. It's got a network effect. It's moving. You would have to have a new something like Bitcoin that had a 10 X improvement on Bitcoin to be able to stop it. And I don't see it. Like how do you improve a store of value like from what's, what's been created? It's, it's virtually impossible. Right. So, um, so that's why that's why I think Bitcoin will win. I know we're still early. I know people will argue that and everything else, but why governments will have to peg to it at some point down down the road. Now, if that happens, as that happens, you could see a I could see a path that gets there without war to get there. Right? Which is always resettled kind of monetary issues in the past in the past if we get if we if we drive that that is the only path that i think is a reset that doesn't require war. and it's up to all of us right my bigger thing on on on, on bitcoin is not the gains in wealth it's the the gains to humanity right that's the uh, for me the, the the gains to humanity so people stop believing in the right the, so it forces a free market it it forces and that there's nothing that that in the end governments can do to stop
0: that. So kind of talking about forcing a free market, uh, something that we've talked about a lot on this podcast is uh, Bitcoin is going to be where growth happens. The existing system is going to stagnate. It's going to falter. It's going to start to weigh in on itself. And Bitcoin is where people are going to find growth and opportunity. Um, Do you see like, you know, the Bitcoin future, is it a, a, you, you obviously see it as a bright future, but do you see it as a world that operates um, and grows faster than today? And does the word or the phrase, a Bitcoin renaissance, mean anything to you?
2: So when you say growth, and I think that's one of the archety- so so why are we trying to manipulate growth, right? So when I think growth when I think about what, what bitcoin allows is so in, in in the old camp you have a whole bunch of people and gdp and everything else whether saying let's okay now that labor can work from home right or now in zoom let's tax labor right that's working from home so that we can pay for the old system does that make any sense right or or if somebody gets something for free because your camera's free, free. Let's find a way to charge for it so that we can. We like. There's, a, there's it, it, these things are t- totally illogical. The thing, the abundance that technology g- gives us, moves things down so close to free or free. Right? You don't pay for your calculator on your phone. You don't pay for your, for your camera on your phone. You don't pay for. Five years ago, a lidar device was was twelve thousand dollars on the new iPhone, it's in, it's embedded in the software, right? It's like, it, so that's what's happening. The price is falling so radically and it, it creates abundance. So why don't we let that happen? Because the Renaissance comes from this. What we would realize is all of our time is going in to try to, try to work more and more and more to save enough money so we can enjoy life or to retire for the last five years of our life in comfort. And all of that is a tax on our time, right? And we're choosing it, right? More, 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 more for growth, 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 to be able to lose more money on the, so inflation, right, and lose more money so that we can hopefully retire and, and enjoy our time. Bitcoin allows you to enjoy your time, just work would go down, right? The amount of labor that would be removed by technology would correspondingly mean mean prices would fall by that amount. And people wouldn't be forced off a cliff from high prices to nothing when they lose their jobs. It would just fall against the natural order of things. And that means as a byproduct, your time would explode. Now, the renaissance comes from that. The renaissance comes from, we wouldn't know what to do if all our time wasn't chasing higher and higher prices and higher and higher jobs, or make more make, trying to make enough money to be, be able to feed our families and everything else, we wouldn't know what to do. So all that time it, it is freed up in a Bitcoin world.
0: Awesome. I'm really glad I asked that question because I think that you made a very good distinction there. Jeff, this was a great conversation. I feel like it reflected a little bit of what you've been saying, you know, across the Bitcoin sphere and through your book. But uh, I do appreciate um, you diving deeper along like the central banking and macro angle for people who want to learn a little bit more from you who want to find your work, where can they find you? And what's your last word for our audience? Jeff
2: Jeff booth is probably the best on Twitter. Um, And, and I would say I didn't write the book to try to make money off the book. I don't do these podcasts to make money or to, to, I, I do them so more people understand the world that they're about to move into. And, and so, and, and the second thing is well, you might believe it's those people against you, and it's those people because that's what the political system tries to drive. in in, in the system that's destroying itself, it's not. It's it's it, it, there are some bad actors in the existing system. There's some bad actors in Bitcoin. Um, um, the, it's the system level that is is the problem. And if people would focus on the system level. And understand that there's a whole bunch of people being hurt on both sides of that system. They would realize uh, they would realize more what they could do to build bridges to Bitcoin, right? Because because Bitcoin for a new, a new entrant is a scary place because there's a whole bunch of it's almost a religion. By the way, I understand why, right? Because people have gone down the rabbit hole and they understand why it's so important for humanity. So I understand why. But that doesn't make it less scary for new people joining, right? And I think it's up incumbent on all of us because here's the real fight. Free market where prices, prices go down and abundance from technology is broadly shared or controlled by the biggest dictator. That is the fight and it's the fight of our time. So I would encourage, so if that's the case... Then, then what I would have would have a bunch of the people in the community do is understand what it looks like for somebody new coming to this community, right? and 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 it's it's frightening for somebody new to understand it too. And the more you do that, the more we do that, <laughs> the more uh, the, the faster adoption will be to Bitcoin.
1: Awesome, thank you so much, Jeff. Uh, I learned a lot. Um, I your book is one of the best, probably the last couple of years that have come out in uh, macro. And I think if everyone knew a little bit about exponential functions, we would be a much better world or we would be ready for the future a little bit better. So thank you for what you do. Thanks for coming on.
0: Thanks very much. Fantastic. I'm going to plug the show real quick. You guys can follow the show at Bitcoin magazine. Make sure to follow Ansel at Ansel Linder, and you can find me at CK underscore snarks, Jeff, thank you again for coming on and yeah, have a great holiday. And, uh, Cheers to the to 19k Bitcoin. <laughs> Thanks guys. A quick reminder that all of the content in this episode is for informational and entertainment purposes only. You should not construe the information as legal, tax, investment, financial, or any other advice. Nothing contained in this presentation constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, or offer by BTC Media, the Let's Talk Bitcoin Podcast Network, or any third party service provider to buy or sell securities or any other financial instruments. Do your own research.